Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. As we're talking about reasons to believe. We're talking about, is our Bible true and reliable? Is the Bible true and reliable? If you have your Bibles, please open them with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'd like to begin reading in verse 19 through the end of chapter 1, verse 21. It says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how our Bible has come. The Scripture tells us the Bible is inspired. And if we're looking to ask the question, is the Bible true and reliable? We can look to the pages of God's Word and it tells us that it is. However, that might be considered what we call circular reasoning. Because something tells you that it is true or that it should be this way won't convince the unbeliever. Because if I don't believe that the Bible is true, then why would I accept what the Bible says about itself? That's circular reasoning. But the Bible does claim to reveal the mind of God, the character of God, the words of God. But how do we know these claims are so? So God willing, and this week and next week, we're going to examine this question of what the Bible claims to be. And if the Bible is what it claims, then we are under an obligation. If the Bible is true, then we are under an obligation that we know it, that we read it, that we utilize it, and that we apply it. It isn't enough to say that we believe the Bible's true without reading it, without using it. There has to be an application. We live in a world that for the most part has no absolute standards for life and behavior. We're living under fluctuating morality and morality shifts within the minds of people. Morality seems not to have any basics. There seems in this day and age that the basic standard for behavior is whatever someone feels is right, and this is how it should be. And if we are the standard, then it will certainly fluctuate because what's right for this one won't be right for that. Now, if we lived our life like that in every day and we had no fixed laws, then when you were building a building, the laws of engineering would fluctuate. 
Now, let me just say, if you haven't built anything, you know that the laws of building don't fluctuate. In other words, you need to have a good solid foundation. But if we say, well, we don't use those laws anymore, we don't use those rules anymore, then I don't have to have a good foundation. I don't have to have a solid foundation. I can put wood right on the dirt and it's going to last forever. Well, if you know anything about wood and the dirt and the termites, then it's not going to last forever. So you see, there are certain laws that we use every day. We recognize that these laws are true. We don't fight against those laws, the laws of, of science. What about the law of gravity? You could get somebody who will go on a speaking tour and say the law of gravity has been set aside. Laws of gravity just no longer apply. But when you jump off a building, you don't go up, right? When you jump off a building, you don't go sideways. And you could be on the speaking tour and you could say how the law of gravity just isn't applicable anymore because our laws fluctuate. The problem is he might do pretty well going down 30-some floors. But when it comes to the end, it's an abrupt stop. Yes, that's right. So we live in a world of fixed laws, and yet it's strange to say that the world morally has relative laws. We want to live morally as if there were no laws, at least so many in our society, that we are that point that determines. Well, you see, if it's so in the physical world, and let me just give you another illustration. Because we got into a discussion about, well, is AIDS, was that on a certain population? Was that God's judgment on a certain population? And I have to say, yes. Yes, it absolutely was. Just the same as if I get sclerosis of the liver from alcoholism is a judgment of God. If I get emphysema from smoking my whole life, it may be a judgment of God. Because I have abused God's law. So to say that one is above the other, it's all God's judgment. There is a law of reaping and sowing. If you sow something, you're going to reap that thing. And if you are out living in such a way, you may reap those laws because as we break God's law, we suffer the consequences. Just as if we break the laws of gravity. It doesn't matter what you believe, but when you jump off that building, you're going to come to that conclusion that God's word is true. And you see, that's why we understand in a physical dimension, there are certain laws that God has fixed. But the Bible tells us of certain moral laws. Certain laws that we know that it is true and we can understand that what is right and what is wrong because the Bible gives us the answer. God is our creator. So the answer is, where do we find these moral laws? Is in the Bible. The Bible claims to be the revelation of God in which God delivers the fixed laws of, of moral and spiritual conduct. It is his revelation. Now, how do we prove that? There are as many compelling reasons, given you five today, God willing, we're going to look at some more compelling reasons next week. You're going to say, well, now that, why should I believe the Bible? There's a lot of sacred books. There's a lot of sacred writings out there. How do I believe which is the right one? Why should I believe that the Bible speaks for God? There's a lot of people that say they have revelation from God. 
There's a lot of people that say they think that they know exactly the mind of God, but let me tell you that we can know that the Bible is really authentic. And so we're going to look at five proofs. And I'm going to do them in a certain order from least to most compelling. The least compelling might be experience. We'll just call it experience. For our experience is, and the experience of millions of people, that I know that I can personally believe that the Bible is true because I have experienced the claims. I have seen God working in my life. I have seen that it's true. That when I ask the Lord for His compassion and His mercy and His forgiveness of sins, He has forgiven me my sins. My life was cleansed. It was changed. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when I gave my life to Christ, I found that that happened to me. How many times have you maybe sat in a testimony service, and somebody has testified of what the Lord has done for them? And told of this is how you can trust God. You see, in my life, I know my whole constitution is different. My whole being is different. My character has changed. Because that's what the Bible said would happen. And when you trusted in Christ, you know that something happened that there was a change within. Millions of people all over the world have experienced that change. So it indeed has proven itself true. They've experienced the power of God's Word in their life. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will come into your life when you give your heart to Christ. And He will empower you to represent Christ, to proclaim the truth, to speak for Him. Maybe you've experienced that. You could say, yes, I know that that's true. I've experienced it. And the Bible says that when the Spirit of God is in your life, God will begin to use you as an instrument. You become His instrument in changing other people's lives. And maybe you see that and maybe you could stand up and say how you were able to be instrumental in helping someone else. And that it worked in their lives. And so you see, it's an acceptable argument. It may not be the most powerful one, our personal testimony, because when you hear somebody give a testimony of Christ and how they've changed their lives, there are people that say, boy, I want that. I need that. So your testimony is powerful. But even though it's an acceptable argument, it makes us the validator of truth. That's what I want to say. You see, and that's why it's a weak argument. Because when we become the validator of truth, then it's still subjective, right? After all, we could probably line up somebody from Islam, a Buddhist, a Hindu, Hare Krishna, Christian science, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, and every other kind of religion. And they could all tell you about something which they've experienced. There are those that maybe see pink elephants. And they'll tell you, there are pink elephants out there. And they'll give you that testimony that I've seen that, I know that it's true. Even though we understand that it was just an hallucination. So we need more evidence than that. But experience is a good proof. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 
1-800-926-9522. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. But there's a second line. How about science? Because science and the Bible line up perfectly. We do not have to take a back seat ever to any scientist. As a matter of fact, there are many, many Christians that are scientists that continue to show how the laws of science and the Bible go hand in hand. So if you go to the Bible, you're going to find there the most plausible explanation for our universe. The most plausible explanation, the greatest reason we have of knowing for our Bible. We know that these things are so. We know that they're true because God is creator. He is our creator. He is the one who is created and he has established all things. The opposite is there is no creator. There was no cause, no effect. Nothing was ever created. It just happened. That there was some mass of gas out there, and pretty soon this mass of gas just blew up. And then somehow in this big blow up, there's a puddle of mire. Now where did the gas come from? And then where did this puddle come from? And then within that puddle, there's an amoeba that gets with another amoeba and says, hey, let's get together. Now, does that sound like a joke? Well, it kind of is, but if you believe in evolution, then that's really what happened. And there's no explanation. I see you laughing, you're saying. (laughs) But that's exactly what evolution teaches, that these things just got together and then pretty soon decided, you know, well, we want to be on the land. We don't want to be in the muddle, in the puddle and muddle anymore. So we want to be over there. And pretty soon, so they get more little amoebas and they all get together so that they can get up on the land. You see, but there was no creation, there was no designer. I, I've often wondered why is it that evolution didn't produce a screwdriver? A screwdriver is a pretty handy tool, right? You get to do it much around the house and you need a screwdriver. A screwdriver is a pretty simple tool, right? It's not complex. How did we get to having fish and birds and all these things, but a screwdriver never evolved? Well, screwdrivers are so, you know, handy. Why did certain things come about and certain other things didn't come about? Well, the existence of life simply is this, that there is a creator and that things were created by design, that things were created and established Nobody takes nothing and equals everything as what evolution says. Nobody takes nothing and it made everything. However, we're going to talk about that. And I've given you some of the different scientific ideas, some of the different scientific thoughts that are there as we'll, we'll look at some of those things. So when we talk about science, the Bible isn't so hard to believe as the anti-biblical evolutionary theory that once there was a puddle and then it all evolved until now we have universities. And so if you call that idea of evolution scientifically plausible, then we're really out on a limb because the Bible will show us that 
scientific, true science and the Bible go hand in hand. In the flood, God accomplished through the power of a worldwide flood the reshaping of the face of the earth. In a brief, condensed time, not over millions and millions of years, we have the fossil record. You can go all around the world and you can see the evidence of a worldwide flood. Now, if I take a leaf, and I've got like 40, what are we, 40, 50 oak trees. They all lost their leaves. And I take one leaf. I've determined that I'm going to make this leaf become a fossil. How do I do that? When I just leave it, if I just leave it to its own, it's going to blow away. It's going to break up. But if the earth opens up, and that leaf falls in there and then closes up, and then pretty soon, with the pressure there be a fossil record. But you see, the Bible talks about the cataclysmic, catastrophic happening of the earth opening up its fountains, the foundations of the earth open up water pouring forth, the water from the skies, and the cataclysmic evidence that gives us our fossil records today. It's very plausible. It's the perfect explanation. There are some wonderful scientific books that were written by Christian men that are scientists that explain the Genesis Flood. There's a book by that. It's called the Genesis Flood or the Genesis Record. They're written by certain different scientists and there's beautiful explanations. Catastrophe, not uniformity. Evolution says things have been uniform. In other words, the way that everything is is the way it continues. However, by the catastrophes that this world has known, we get the records that give us the age and we're able to say, aha, this was done this time and this time. So as you look deeper into the Bible, you find scientifically it touches on many, many things. For example, in Isaiah 40 and 26, it says that God who creates the universe, he says that he holds it, he holds the stars together by his power and not one star is missing. Think of that. Not one star is missing. God created them all. Now follow this. And he sustains them all. You see, he has created all of those stars. We're going to think about that. I want you to think about how our earth was created. Now, some would say there was a big bang. All of these rocks that came out of the big bang that the sun evolved over here. And then these rocks, we came and cooled. But it does not explain how we rotate on the axis and all of the planets that are there circulating and, and coming around the sun and how the sun is on a pattern. We're going to think about that because the Bible talks about those very things. But what about the laws of thermodynamics? I've given you these in your handouts. The laws of thermodynamics the, that ultimately nothing is ever being destroyed. Nothing is destroyed? It changes form. Nothing is ever destroyed. It may change form. If you light a fire in your fireplace and you put logs in there, you get heat, you get smoke, you get the light from the fire, you get the ashes, you get all of those things. It has changed form, but it's not been extinguished. 
It didn't go out of existence. It just simply changed form. That's the laws, beginning of the laws of thermodynamics, the law of conservation and the law of entropy. That all things change form. Nothing is ever destroyed. That's what scripture says, by the way. The Bible then touches on the laws of thermodynamics for in Ecclesiastes 1 and 10 it says, Is there anything of which one might say, See, it is new? Then the answer comes immediately already. It has existed for ages which were before us. Nothing new and nothing is going on out, going out of existence. So the ancient Bible writers, thousands of years before we knew anything of the laws of thermodynamics, they knew these things to be true and affirmed them. It may be rearranged, it may be in other shapes and other forms, but nothing is being created. Scientists know that matter is static. Matter is static. It just continues. It's changed form, but it's never destroyed and it's not being created. Now, the second law of thermodynamics states that although mass and energy are always conserved, they are breaking down. They're going from order to disorder. In other words, you will never destroy matter and it's never created. It's disintegrating. It's breaking down. That's why my 2011 Toyota is probably not as worth as much as a 2020 Toyota. Why? Because they break down. The rubber breaks down. The seals, all those things, they break down. Why? Because our world is going from order to disorder, from cosmos to chaos, from system to non-system. This opposes the theory of evolution that says that things are getting better. Now, if that were so, I should be able to take my 2011 Toyota and turn it in and get a 2020 Toyota and they give me money back. You laugh, because you say, that's just not so. But you see, if I believe the theory of evolution, that things are getting better, then that's the exact theory that you would have done. So, it's very true. You say, well, Brother Paul, you've lost it. <laughs> You're not going to get what you for your 2011 Toyota. You see, because things are breaking down, matter breaks down, it, the energy dispersates, and ultimately our world and our universe are breaking down only God in His hands are going to take care of it. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.